Impact, Income, and Influence Just a few years ago, Marley Jacks worked as a dental hygienist. This podcast will take you on her journey from leaving the dental office and building a million dollar a year business, helping people grow their YouTube channels. She is one of the hardest working, most authentic women in the game. Enjoy. Impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy on the internet. My name is Steve Warner. I am your host, and I am joined today by one of my favorite female entrepreneurs in the world, Marley Jacks. Marley, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. No problem. Her smile lights up every room. She is absolutely amazing. She has some of the best energy in the world. Speaking of smiles, she actually started her entrepreneurial journey as a dental hygienist and went from that to running an ads agency and then building video. I don't know what we would call it. Like you, you go on and you would build out all the videos for somebody, but you also taught people how to be great on video. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you've been holding challenges, but it didn't start off that way. So take us back to cleaning teeth. Mm-hmm. Good, boring time in my life. <laughs> cleaning teeth is not very creative. Like every day, just one patient after another, who's usually cranky because they don't want to be at the dentist. So I, I was cleaning teeth every day and kind of bored. So I started doing the dental office's social media between patients. And I was, I was kind of good at it because I would just make stories around whatever was happening. Like even our office goldfish became like a series of posts. Um, and our IT guy at the office was like, Hey, you're, you're good at this. Can I refer you to one of my clients? Well, next thing I know, he's referred me to all of his clients. And now I suddenly have a business and I'm like, I didn't know I could actually make money playing on social media. I thought I was playing at the time. Cause I was just making stories. And, um, and so I started, you know, learning more about how to do social media and how to do ads and funnels. And I started making videos for myself so that I could get more clients. And some of those videos started to take off. So then I was like, can I make videos like that for my clients to help them get more clients? Well, then some of those videos started to take off and it really just escalated from there, creating this framework for how to create videos, how to drive them towards front end offers, and then to send them up your value ladder. So you just, you took us from like cleaning teeth to, to like massive success in 10 words. Um, I want to break it down just a little bit. So you start making, first off, you're playing on social media. You're having a great time playing on social media and you're like, oh, I'm getting paid. How long did you continue working for the dental office after you started running their ads and then running other people's ads? Um, so I was, it was probably the beginning of 2016. And then I started going part-time later in 2016. Like I started reducing my hours at the office and it was by April of 2017 that I left completely. 
Okay, that's awesome. That's a good timeline. Because I yeah. feel like so many people, they hear Gary Vee or they, you know, hear Russell or somebody talking and they're like, I'm quitting my job. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm doing it. And they get real excited. Burn the boats. I mean, I there can be a lot said for burning the boats. But I, I think the truth is the people that from the people that I've interviewed that are successful, they get some momentum before they leave their job. Whether that's just a couple clients or selling a couple courses or working with one or two customers, they have something going. Um, but I think that kind of flies in the face of traditionalism. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. um, once you started making videos for clients and those started taking off as well as your own videos, were you doing all of it? Were you filming? Were you editing? Were you scripting? At the beginning, yes. Um, and that's where I started to realize that batching my content would would just be more productive. Like instead of one video at a time, like, okay, I'm gonna script this one and then I'm gonna film it and then I'm gonna edit it. I would do it all in batch. So I would sit down, I would write all my scripts in one setting and then film all of them in one sitting and then edit them in one sitting. Cause even that context switching, you lose momentum. You use like just to switch tracks. Um, so that, that, and I, yeah, I did it by myself for the longest time and then Eventually I hired my first video editor, um, but that felt so scary to me to give up control. That's okay. So I want to, I want to dive into this one a little bit deeper. So first off, I, when I met Marley, we were at a mastermind um, together. There were a bunch of us there. There were about 30 of us there and I get up early and the mastermind started at 9am. I got up at six and I would go down at 630 to get coffee and breakfast. Marley was the only other person awake. She was on her phone with her team, getting her work done for the day before the mastermind started. Then at the end of the day, the mastermind wraps up at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. A lot of people are having some drinks. We're in the pool because we're all in a big man mansion together. It was a mansion mastermind. Marley and I are the ones sitting on the couch doing more work. Yeah. I mean, I think we might've had a drink, but I'm like, it was when I met you and I had seen some of your stuff on social media. I'll just be like pretty honest. And I was like, oh, like she's, she's successful, but I bet she has a huge team. And I bet she's like, she doesn't do that much. Like, I mean, there are people out there that have that, right? I was so blown away by the amount of hard work that you did. And in talking to you, like you came across, you, you shared a lot of stories and a lot of the stuff that you were working on. And I was blown away by that. Um, yeah. We'll come back to that a little later. So hiring your first video editor, mm -hmm. how did, how did you go about that? Because that was one of the scariest parts for me was when I hired my first employee as well, because it's, you're handing over control of your baby. Yeah. Are they going to love my baby as much as I love my baby? Are they going to take care of it? Are they going to know what I want? Like I used to think that my, my video editing skills, my creative direction was intuitive. You can't teach that. You can't write that out into a process. Well, you kind of can. Um, but it, it was hard for me to find, like, how do I find that person I can trust? And now we have a very kind of intensive hiring process that we, we give them a test assignment. We give them two test assignments. We have a culture questionnaire to just see if they're going to be the right fit when it comes to just personality too. Cause I can, I can train on skill, but I also want them to have the right values that, you know, align with our company tenants. So my first video editor, I found on Upwork. Um, and I, I put out a post and I gave some examples of my videos and said, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the great thing about Upwork is you can put your budget and then have people bid on, okay, I'll, I'll do this job for this much. And here's 
my portfolio of work that I've done. Um, so my first video editor, I hired for $15 a video. Nice. Yeah. It's worth my time. Did they do a good job? They did. And they stayed with me for several years. That's awesome. Did you have test assignments for them at the time or did you? At the time, no. Um, at the time it was just, Hey, here's what I like. Here's my current videos. Can you make videos that look similar to it? But then as the team started growing, then I needed an, another video editor and another video editor. And all of them had different styles. But when you have clients that they need their videos and their branding to be consistent, I was like, I need to figure something out here so that all the videos aren't just like from scratch every single time. So that's where we started creating these video branding assets and, and style guides so that anytime an editor would come in, even if I would give them a test assignment to say, hey, make a video look similar to this, when they would, then they'd come in and go, here's the assets so that we can keep them consistent. That's awesome. So I know when I hired my first video editor, I had to go through, I think I, I gave out six test assignments that I paid for. I was like, do one assignment. Let's see how you do with this. And it was all the same video, right? So yeah. I got to see everybody's stuff. Um, I wasn't as lucky as you. I wasn't, I didn't knock it out of my park with the first one. Um, so once you started building your team, so you've got your first video editor, you're doing a few videos for other people. Um, you're starting to scale up. What was, when did you hit like the tipping point where you suddenly woke up one day and you had a team and you started building bigger offers? Cause in the beginning you were working more on like the agency model, correct? Yeah. yeah, that was tough. When did, when did that, what was tough about it to you? Because in a service it's, I mean, you're constantly, you're creating a product for the client, um, more client management, also more people working on it. So your profit margins aren't as aren't as big either. Um, so that was, that was part of the struggle. And it was also trading hours for dollars still, or trading, you know, a project for dollars. Um, and I wanted to be able to have, I, I don't, I don't know if I fully believe in like passive income, but just more passive resources that people can come into a course or a program and it can be one to many instead of one to one. Well, that's, so you, once you kind of left the agency, you started doing these bigger tickets. It was $50,000. Did you rate, I think you might've gone up even from that, um, to build out somebody's YouTube content, right? Like you would batch six months of videos. Yep. Are you, and are you still doing that project? We still do that, but we actually have it in a different, more bite-sized affordable price point. Instead of just like $50,000 all in one. Now we have it broken into like your onboarding, your monthly. And it also depends on like, do you have a team that you want to fulfill on it? Actually COVID, um, forced us to, to pivot in a way that was something that I hadn't thought of before because it was just, well, here's our system. But then when we couldn't travel anymore or when clients had some restrictions when it came to getting out and filming or the people that they could work with, it'll, it put us into the situation where we were like, well, wait, what if we just virtually directed them, but they still film themselves or they had their own videographer do it. Um, and we can even you know, guide them through how to edit their videos or we can just edit them for them. Um, so we have price points now that instead of just like $50,000 all inclusive, it's, it's the pieces that they really need and we, we can customize it to what they need. Nice, I like that. And I think that probably, I think that makes it much more accessible to a lot of people out there who really yeah. want to be on YouTube. They want to have videos done, um, but they don't have the 50K budget to go all in at the very beginning. Totally. Um, 
The other thing that you launched that I think has done really well, and I know you love is the challenge. So talk to us a little bit about where did the idea for the challenge come from and talk to us about, tell me about the challenge. The challenge was like that, that was the, the, the launch for our business. Like that, that took us from like doing okay to doing great consistently. Um, I, it was after so many sales calls with people that they'd be like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I can't wait. How much does it cost? And then when they'd hear the, you know, it's can be 50,000, or if you want at this point, it's 5,000 or 10,000. Like even just that four to five figure price point was still too much for some people to be able to, to start with. Um, but then also on our end too, there were some pieces that the clients might not have had in place yet for us to be successful with our results. Like when it came to their lead magnets, their front end offers, like they needed to have those pieces in place first. Um, and sure, some people hire us to create those for them too, but at this point, I was like, how can I teach people how to get to this place where they're making more money or they have all these elements in place? So then I thought, well, I wonder if I can take what I do and turn it into a course. So first I turned it into a course, but then I even broke down the course even more into what if it's just like bite-sized 21 days? Because I had seen other people doing these challenges and thought, it's cool that people sign on at the same time. It builds a community while you're in this 21 day challenge. And I didn't realize this at the time, but now that I've been doing the challenge for almost a year, the thing that's so amazing about it is what happens in 21 days. You build a habit in 21 days. So not only are they getting the expertise that you're teaching, but consuming your content also becomes a habit. Being part of your community becomes a habit. So that's what makes it so easy to, to build your audience and then more effortlessly ascend them to your high ticket programs by starting with a challenge. That's, that is awesome. I mean, that's, that is challenge serves you as much as it serves the people who are in it, but the people who are in it are getting a huge amount. I know. So I went through it. I thought it was great. The one thing that I really liked about it was that I felt, although it stretched a lot of people in there, like it's outside of your comfort zone a little bit. I've done other people's challenges where by like, like day two is, you know, build out your entire value ladder. It's like, I don't like, it's just too much. Right. But your challenge is broken down into nice bite-sized pieces yeah. that get people moving along. Um, and you also, I want to talk a little bit about how you engage people in the challenge. Cause I know there are people out there who run automated challenges. Mm -hmm. You have chose to do a live challenge every time. Yeah. Why? It's so funny because I still do have people saying like, why don't you just automate it by now? You've been doing it this many times. Part of it is like the energy that I put into it that I'm I'm excited to see everyone and, and to talk to them live every day um, and to see their results like fuels me so that the next day when I go live, like I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Steve, I'm thinking of Joe, I'm thinking of Christina, like all the people in it so that I can put that energy into my Facebook live. I don't know if that's just a, a limiting belief that I have, but I just also feel like it makes me more connected to the audience that I'm nurturing. Absolutely. Um, I think it does. I mean, that's the, when I did, I did, so I did five challenges this summer and I did all of them live because I wanted to get the feedback and I yeah. wanted to serve people. Like, what's your questions? How can I help you? How can I support you? Because I really, I think, I think we share this, like you really want to see your people be successful. Mm -hmm. That's what drives you. And yeah. I think that's what drives all entrepreneurs that are, I mean, we're, 
we are driven by the success of the people that come into our worlds. Yeah. Um, purpose-driven entrepreneur. So what is, what are you doing at the end of the challenge? Like what's the, because you're not selling the same package, correct? No. Yeah. We, we, so at the end of the challenge, we have a graduation training where we're like, here's a recap of everything you learned. Here's the next steps that you can now implement. And of course we say like, do you want help with implementing this? We have a few different options depending on your budget, your price point, where you're at in your business. And here's some options. And it's like, I don't, I mean, I don't think of myself as like a hard pitch salesperson. It's just like, here it is. These are some options. Or if you'd like, you can join the challenge again. We've had people, I think the most, we've had someone be in our challenge six times, like back to back to back to back to back, which is so cool. So sometimes people just join the challenge again, or they'll join our high ticket course, or they'll join our coaching program. Um, but it's also easy to, to pitch that to them by just saying like, here's what we have available instead of feeling like I have to convince them and persuade them and break their beliefs because we've just spent 21 days together. It's like, awesome. Here you go. Like do it yourself, do it with me or let me do it for you. Yeah. It makes it very, very easy to make that offer. Um, so now you've kind of, you've transitioned just a little bit and you're starting to help people build their challenges because you've been so successful with the challenges. So talk to me a little bit about what that looks like and what you would recommend if somebody out there is thinking about doing a challenge, mm-hmm. what should they be like, what should they, what's the first step with that? Well, let me just also back up that it was so seamless for us to now start teaching challenges because I first started teaching video marketing but in video marketing, what's your call to action? Like you should have a call to action forever for, you know, at the end of every video, here's how you can get more value. And for us, it was like the challenge gave us such amazing results. So the first step is, well, what, what is the service or the result that you provide? And can you break that down into bite-sized day-by-day, step-by-step, 21 days? And, and there are short, people do five-day challenges, 14-day challenges, 30-day challenges, I like 21. I think it it takes 21 days to install a habit. Um, So I like that. So when I first work with a client and I'm helping them build out a challenge is what's the result you give to people and how can you break that down into bite size 21 steps? So that's how you built your challenge. Is that what you're if, if somebody is thinking about holding a challenge, then you're saying step number one is what's the outcome that you get for people? And can yeah. you break that down into 21 days yeah. or five days or 10 days or whatever it is? What's the biggest mistake that you see people make when they're building out a challenge? Um, trying to just brain dump everything on them. Uh, and, and sometimes, I mean, I've seen advertisements for courses that are like, it's a hundred videos and you're going to get so much knowledge. And it's like volume, the amount isn't what people want. They want the speed. So can I spend five minutes a day with you for 21 days and get this result? Yes, this is what I want. It's not about me like just fire hose vomiting all over you. Here's this stuff. It's like, here is the minimum viable effort that you need to put into this to get the maximum result. Yeah, that's, I would agree with that. I mean, I've been, I've gone through some challenges and I've also bought courses that are like that. And you're like, where are they taking me? They don't even know where they're going. They're just firing on a camera and like, I think, I think your background in video probably really helped you. Like it's a great skill set, right? Because it's like, this is the clear path. 
you scripted a video and then you scripted the challenge in the same way. Like yeah. here's a clear path to success. This is the call to action at the end of it, but you're teaching people what they need on the way there. Um, I think that's kind of fun. I want to, I want to circle back to hiring. Um, I had, I wrote down some questions that I wanted to ask because I know, so you hired your first video editor mm -hmm. and you scaled pretty rapidly. I mean, in three years, you went from dental hygienist to somebody with a team and a pretty, pretty good following and a million dollar a year business. Yeah. So how did you, first off, who was, who was your hardest person to hire? What position? Um, I would say between my copywriter, because finding someone to write in your voice and the right message, that was, that was hard. And I don't know if it's just me, like my creative vision for that, or my voice that I'm very specific about not being too fluffy, not being just too stats and, and cold, hard facts. I want to tell a story. I want to be entertaining, but I also don't want to be like, golly gee, like I, I can't stand the fluff. So I'm very specific about how my messaging comes across. So copywriting, um, and then also my, my operations manager, like finding that person to be your right hand and to think like you do, um, and to hopefully see like the steps ahead of you to, to guide you before you get there. Cause also as a, as the visionary in your business for most CEOs are visionaries, you need an integrator that is going to be excited about what you're doing too, but also be able to filter it. I, I had a, an operator once that would get mad at me when I had ideas and then it would, you know, make me feel suffocated. Like, but this idea is, could lead to more revenue, you know, or, or, Hey, this email isn't working. We have to tweak it to make it convert better. And then, you know, it sometimes feels shut down. Like, no, we can't just change things. And it's like, no, that's, that's business. And don't take this personally. Um, so yeah, that was the other difficult position to hire was the operator that, um, would go hand in hand with being a visionary. I think that's, that's the position that everybody wants, mm -hmm. right? That's the position that all entrepreneurs want. If I just had somebody that could implement for me and help me do the stuff that, that I don't want to do so I can free up and be a visionary. Yeah. So how many operators did, have, did you go through to get to the one that you have? I think four. And what lessons did you learn along the way? Like, how did you get better at hiring? Because that's, I think that, I know Sharfin talks about it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I know you've, like, you worked with him. Um, yeah, was he, him. like, he's awesome. Yeah. But I'd be interested to see how he helped you and how you got, how you framed the hiring process to get better at hiring the right person. I really like what Sharfin says too about oftentimes it's the process, not the person. So I also don't want to say about all those previous operations managers that I had that there was anything wrong with them. It, it could have worked out. Maybe I needed to change my my process. Maybe we need to change our communication, um, or maybe they were better suited for a different role um, instead of operations. Maybe with their disc assessment, which I also think is really important to look at, like what are their values? What are they? How do they operate? Um, that's really important to look at. So I think the things that I learned was also knowing more about who I am. Like when I was, I guess, in that situation that I mentioned about if I would have an idea and then my operations manager would be like, no, we can't do that. I think it now with the self-awareness I'd have would be like, let me, let me explain to you why, like just sometimes also them understanding your reasoning 
And having that open communication can change everything. She might've thought that she was trying to protect me from something. I was thinking we need this to convert. And both opinions are very valid. Um, so I think also my self-awareness and how I communicate and, and knowing more about personalities mm -hmm. uh, would have maybe made that relationship better. That's a, that's a really good introspective point because I think a lot of people would have said, I'm the boss. I what this is what I say go. What I right? say goes. But what but if they actually have a really good point? Well, that's the thing. Like you any boss who says that, like they're missing out on being a real, like having a really cohesive team because yeah. your team members need to be heard. You hired them for a reason. You obviously trusted them when you hired them. Um so the disk assessment you touched on, which I do think I think everybody should do that before they hire. Did, have you ever hired somebody that you didn't like right away? I'm, maybe I'm framing that question wrong mm -hmm. because a lot of times people hire because they're like, oh my God, I like this person so much, but that doesn't mean they're going to be a good employee, right? You put them through a lot of tests. Do you get objective feedback on the tests before you hire? Does your team help you? Yeah. In one of the last rounds of the interview hiring process, other team members get involved too. It's not just me. And my executive assistant takes care of all of our recruitment. And she is very, I trust her very much when it comes to just how she reads people. Um, and she has a lot more experience when it comes to recruitment for lots of different industries. She, she came from oil and gas to now come to what we were in now. Um, she has a lot of experience. So she brings to the table, like, yes, you might've liked their personality and their sense of humor, but from their resume, they haven't held, up, held down a job for more than three months at a time. Okay, red flag there. Um, so yeah, we definitely get other opinions, um, especially coming from all different companies before. Maybe they worked with someone of that personality type that they might want to ask a few more questions before coming to. I can't think of me hiring someone that I didn't like. Um, I think in general, like you want to be excited about the people that you hire. And if you're not, that's, that's, you don't hire them. I would rather keep looking than be lukewarm about anything. That's, that applies to so many different areas oh of life. Yeah. Um, should always, did, did you ever hear the CD baby story about the guy? It's either a hell yes, or it's, or a, no. it's a no. Yeah. If it's not a hell yes. It's a no. Um, I don't know. Like I've run into a few places in my life where I feel like that doesn't apply where it's like, I have to do X, Y, Z, right? Like I have to do something and I'm excited about it because it has to get done. I want the outcome, but I'm not like, hell yes. But I think in general, I'm excited to do my taxes. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you have to, yeah. um, much, much different. Um, okay. I want to do a few rapid fires and then we will wrap this up. So which is harder? spending all day smelling the bad breath of dental patients mm. or building a team from scratch? Dental patients. <laughs> That's why you build a team right yes. there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you were pretty forward on an Alex Sharfman podcast about being at a million dollar runway and still almost like almost losing everything. Yeah. Can you, I know that that to a lot of people listening is like, what do you mean? You're at a million dollar run rate and you're, you're like almost out of business. Well, you have a team, 
you, you can you just talk on that a little bit? Cause that, I love that podcast. I recommended that podcast to so many people. Yeah. Um, but I would love to hear your take on it. There's a big difference between running a business that makes a lot of money and running a business that allows you to keep a lot of money. Like just because your business makes a million dollars doesn't mean that it's profitable. You could be making $80,000 a month, but your expenses could be $79,000 and $99, $99. So it's, it's so important to be aware of, we call them CEO metrics of what are we paying the team? What are we paying for softwares? What are we like, what, what does it take to keep this ship floating? So out of your experience there, what would, what would be one thing that you would tell be that you would tell somebody that is building a business to avoid that? Cause I feel like as entrepreneurs, we get started. Right. And I mean, I, I know I did this in my own, you were talking about costs of software. At one point I was spending like $1,500 a month on like $25 here, $50 here, like all these plugins and stuff. And you don't even think about it. Right. And then you've got team members and you got all this stuff and you're like, but I'm doing like for me at the time I was doing like 40 K a month. I was like, Oh, I'm fine. But yet there wasn't money left at the end of it. Right. So I go through my numbers every single month. Like it's, it's the beginning of the month right now. I just went through my numbers from last month and I looked at every single thing that went through on the credit card to go, do we still use that? Do we still need it? Like my, my operations manager will do it, but then I do like a once over after to go, if there's anything that she missed like, Oh wait, do we still use that? Or I don't need this anymore. Cause sometimes we sign up for something like, a software that were like, oh, I only needed that for a couple months. Let's cancel that. But then also looking at your uh, your contractors, your employees, are these, you know, am I paying them appropriately? Of course, we want to pay them in a way that incentivizes them. But have I overcommitted to anything? My biggest problem when I was honestly going to go bankrupt um, was that I had hired employees because I really loved them and I wanted them to be happy, but what they asked for financially, there was no way I could afford. And they, they weren't making that in the business. So I had to make a tough decision and call it and say, I'm sorry, I, I can't afford to pay you guys anymore. And it's not fair of me to ask you for a pay cut. So unfortunately we just have to part ways and I had to rebuild. That's a, I mean, that's a very, very valid takeaway. I know you and I had a conversation at the mastermind around that very similar. You had hired somebody that had promised X results and they weren't fulfilling in their job. And at the end of the day, it's not personal, it's a business. And, it's and, and we were, we had been investing a lot to try to make it back. And of course, like when you invest in yourself, you're investing, but hopefully for the upswing that it's going to pay off. And we had just, we kept investing and kept in like running Facebook ads and hiring this con contractor for this project. And it just, it didn't get there yet. And I sure learned a lot of lessons. That was tuition that I paid to, to get that education. But I, at the end of it, I was like, I am going into debt and I'm not going to be able to dig myself out of this unless I make some drastic changes. Nice. So that's, I mean, I think keep yourself and your business first. You have to make money. You have to make sure that things are panning out and supporting you in your mission to make money, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether it's software or an employee. Um, there's a quote that says that your income can never outgrow your personal development. Mm -hmm. You've come a long way in the last five years. If you had to go back and talk to Marley, the dental hygienist, what would be a lesson or something that you would tell her to, I mean, you moved really quickly. 
usually this question is like, oh, it took you 15 years, but you moved really quickly. What would be something that you would go back and tell Marley five years ago? Mm. Oh man. Um, I, I've always been really proud of how resourceful I am that like, there's always an answer to everything and to just keep following those threads. Um, I think I would have tried to give myself the foresight of knowing your numbers and, and as much as it is exciting to invest in things like don't, don't, uh, don't overspend, you know, where you can't afford it, live within your means and live like, let the business run within its means. Um, I, I love the quote. I, I think I heard it from Steve Larson first was that, um, my business only grows to the level that I do. And I, from the beginning invested in courses, like, I, one of my first courses when I was just a social media manager doing things on the side, I, I, I bought a social media management course to learn how to, I mean, I had clients that were paying me. I was like, I want to make sure that I keep these clients and I give them the best results. So I'm in my personal life. I think I'm also looking at where do I want to grow next or what, what patterns are coming up for me that are showing me where I need to go next. So I think that's also such a, uh, an important mindset for anyone to have is to be aware of where do I need to grow? I, I would agree out of all the, the courses and masterminds, cause I know you've been a part of a couple of different things, um, a couple of different masterminds I know of, but I know you've done some courses as well. What is one or two that really sticks out as moving the needle a lot for you? Uh, Alex Sharfin, for sure. I was the first person to join his program when he, when he created it in 2018. Um, that just a game changer for me. And he is such an incredible mentor that he is someone that you, you learn by example with him in so many ways, like not just his business sense, but also I think, you know, his personal development, how he runs his life and his family and his leadership. I, I really admire him and that inspired me so much. Um, and then the next, the next one I would say was uh, Steve Larson's course. And I don't even know if he sells it anymore. It kind of has a funny name, Funnel Stash. I mean, I had been in the ClickFunnels world for a while. This is before I joined Inner Circle. I would, so I would say Inner Circle as well. But I was trying to understand, like, what is with these funnels? Like, what does this mean? Like, how, is it just a sales? Like, it's just a website? But Funnel Stash actually broke down, like, what every different type of funnel is, how to do it, different marketing campaigns. Um, and it was so well worth everything. And that, like, that was my first breakthrough in understanding it. Nice. That's, uh, I did, I have, I have it somewhere. Um, I went through it as well because yeah. it is really interesting when you first hear funnels, you're like, it's just a sales page. I don't right. get it. Just keep going with it till, yeah. till you get there. Um, Alex Sharfin, I would agree with is great. Um, I mean, I, I like his stuff a lot. Um, I attended his event for people who don't know what Alex Sharfin does. Can you give a snippet? Yeah. Alex, um, I think his zone of genius is, is growing and scaling businesses by talking about forward planning and leadership, like building your team around you. And in a way that you're not running the ship, you get to be a passenger of it. Um, and so, cause even when you were saying back then of you know, how hard I was working at those masterminds, as much as it's great to have a good work ethic, I don't want to be known for someone that just works so hard and she was up early and up late and not getting to enjoy having a drink with some friends. Like I want to live. I want to build a business that allows me to have the lifestyle I, I want to have, not to run my life. Um, so Alex's program really helps with that, but it also is from a holistic point of view too, about who you are as an entrepreneur. 
That's that's really good. And I think I'm Alex is all about like how do you how do you build a team like how do you build a team that you don't hate, right? How do you build a team that you love? How do you do a team meeting that takes five minutes and gets everybody energized versus a 45 minute meeting that is horrible, right? Like, yeah, that's the daily huddle is, is one of his, he, he has a lot of zone of genius around that. And if you, if you don't know who Alex is, I would definitely say he's worth Googling and looking up. Um, And yeah, I would agree that I think I think everybody gets into this. When you started, you were probably like, I'm going to have a lifestyle business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be a social media manager. But then somehow we get tricked into the uh, the hustle and grind 24-7. You wake up and it is fun because it, it gets addicting to, to like set a goal, reach that goal, work through, solve the problems. But then you wake up and you're like, wait a minute. I was on a cruise for a week and I don't remember any of it because I tried to work the whole time. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> that never happens. Um, <laughs> well, Marley, you have covered a wide range of things. You've done so much in the last five years. What do you see the next five years? If you if you could look forward five years from now, what what are like one or two things that you would love to hit? Mm-hmm. I've been stepping into more uh, personal creativity. Like I love what I, what I get to do with my, my clients, my team, my students. Um, but there's also this side of me that has come out a lot in my personal development and also my personal healing, uh, poetry. So I want to write poetry books. So that's going to be a personal thing, but I also want to write poetry books for, for, I mean, women, for entrepreneurs, for people going through regular life journeys, but although our, the life we've signed up for is not regular. So there's that. Um, and yeah, just more good content. I do want to write a business book. So that's, that's on the horizon too. Do you have a poem? Oh, I sure do. Let's hear it. Oh, I do. You want, I have like a, a good long poem. I, I have tons of poems. I actually just wrote um, a poem that I, it was my first poem that I shared publicly. Like I am shaking in this video. Uh, so I'm, I'm turning 30 in a couple weeks. And so I did this thing on my YouTube channel uh, called Jack's Impacts, 30 days counting down the final 30 days of my twenties. And so there it's a challenge every day from my audience. Well, my team knows this about me that I, write poetry, but I've never shared my poetry publicly. So they challenged me to write a poem about Team Jacks, about my team. Uh, and so I, I wrote this poem. It's long. I don't know if, I, if you want me to read it now, but I'd love for anyone if they want to go to my YouTube channel and it's up there. It's called, I wrote a poem for Team Jacks. Come on. You got to give us a little something. It was like okay, five okay. lines. All right. Let me find it. All right. Here this is. is fun. I like this. I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Okay. Let me, I'll, I'll read to you the, I mean, I, I could just read all of it and then you can decide what you want to believe into it. You do whatever you want. Okay. All right. Every day I show up to my own job interview and ask myself if I am someone I would want to work for. I expose my strengths and weaknesses before a boardroom of my biggest advocates and my toughest critics. They are named my head and my heart. And in the performance review of this dance, we call leadership. Here's what I have learned. There are days where my wandering mind is on a leash, days where I have to reel it in to stay present. I've been called many things for this, distracted, frazzled, unfocused, scattered, but you, Team Jax, you don't call me lost, you call me home. You call me visionary, you let me stay. 
With my head in the clouds, when our business was up in the air, not sure if we would ever land safely, my team, my ground control. When people ask how I'm so down to earth, I say it's because of them that I never have to fear my crash landing. There are things I've needed to unlearn. There were days where my ego got the best of me, and there were days where fear did not win. January 2020. I do not know the word for love and grief at the same time, or the word for the paradox of stepping away to come back to momentum, because you held down my heart when I wanted to flee and the fort when I needed to leave and you let me breathe. There were so many times I wanted to quit, but I see you and I forget the meaning of ambition and learn the meaning of purpose. I watch an audience rise. I see the proud look in your eyes and you've convinced me that the world is not in fact ending. You don't care about any of the things I can't give you. This team is a testament to hope I thought I would never know. It is the chorus of the Get Back Up Again song I've had on repeat. When I am on that stage, sweating under the lights, shaking in my sparkly gold shoes, I am praying that I don't trip over my laces or my words. In a world full of noise, we help people find their voices. We make our mess into our message, and my goodness, has this year been messy. Consider this my acceptance speech after setting the world record for how many times I can fall on my face and get back up. Consider this my resignation from being someone I am not. Consider this my RSVP to my own homecoming. I promise, after all the times I, never, I almost quit, to never change my mind or my name again. So hear this well, Team Jax, from your CEO and closet poet. I didn't write this poem on a day I felt strong. I write where I want to be and I try to live in that direction so that in my next performance review, when asked about the benefits, I'll say, yes, we have a few. You will feel nurtured the way your mother says your name. We will feed your families and your spirit. Alone is the last place you will ever be. I set my intention for this year to have 2020 vision, peace, and clarity, though in reality, some days I felt blindfolded and blindsided. Even when I couldn't see clearly, what was always clear was your belief. Thank you for being my ground control, my parachute, my infinite number of right hands, for finding me every time we played hide and seek, for every time we tricked gravity. I like it. Thank you. I think you just need to put that out as your ad next time you need to hire somebody. You think so? That's a good one. That's a good because idea. They'll either get it or they won't. Yeah. Here's here's what we're all about. Yeah. If they if if they don't get it, they're not the right fit. I mean totally. that's it's like better than a manifesto. I like it a lot. Thank you. I like that. You're welcome. I can um, put about the company and then click the link. <laughs> to my... You've got to read it. And I feel like you have to be wearing gold shoes. Yeah. They need the B-roll of me on stage with the gold shoes just, to get that line. Just a little bit. Um, for those of you who don't know, Marley also had a side career as a paparazzi. <laughs> yes. Good time. Uh, I didn't believe her when she told me this. And then she showed me a picture of her and Bono. Yep. So what did Bono say to you? Bono, um, I was sitting in his limo and he was holding my hand and he was like, what's your name? And I said, Marley. He goes, oh, Marley, what a beautiful name. And we just talked for a few minutes. Um, I was going to both of his shows. They had two back-to-back -back shows in Toronto. Um, and my mom was going to be flying in from across the country. So he was like, oh, I hope you have a wonderful time. See you tomorrow, row four. Like he remembered things about our conversation, which I thought was so cool. It wasn't just like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, picture. Yeah, nice. Thank you. Goodbye forever. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Your eyes still get sparkly when you talk about it. I, like, I don't know if uh, that was, if there's anything that will top, okay, speaking at FHL would top that day. Speaking at FHL was my favorite day. Second favorite day, meeting Bono. Nice. I, I actually, that brings up something else. This, 
this podcast is definitely going a little bit long, but I feel like this is a really valuable one. Um, you were one of the first entrepreneurs I saw. It, it was in a mastermind group, but you shared like a bad day that you had because a client asked for a refund. Hmm. Do you? I don't even know if you remember it, but you posted and you were like, my heart is breaking because I helped this person so much. Like they had, they had sent you some support messages. They had asked for special, special treatment and you had really gone above and beyond. Yeah. That still hurts my feelings. Well, that's what I want to touch on because I think, I think it's really easy for anyone watching this or listening to be like, you're Marley Jacks, you're on stage. You've hung out with Bono, you're holding challenges, you're writing poetry, but like the life of an entrepreneur, no matter where you are at has its ups and downs. So how do you, how do you personally deal with a bad day? Because I think you're one of the strongest women that I've, I've met in the way that you, you deal with things. So how do you recommend that somebody deal with stress, anxiety, a bad day? You write poetry. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really deep way for me to process what I'm experiencing or going through. Um, I I don't numb or medicate. If anything, I go deeper on how it feels. Why does it hurt? Um, in that situation with a client asking for a refund, I've had that situation. I mean, multiple times. And I, I like, why does it hurt? Well, because I I do want what's best for them and. It is, you know, for me, I take it as a reflection of my self-worth. Like, why, why don't you want to be part of this? Why don't you want my help? Or what didn't I do that wasn't, or what did I do that wasn't enough, you know? Um, and, and that was actually a really big thing that I worked on in 2020 personally was like where I get my self-worth from and recognizing that it's not from relationships or clients or people. It has to be from within and, and you know, a question that I'm still trying to find the answer to is how do you have a thicker skin without a hard heart? I'm going to have to write a poem about that one, (laughs) but, um, I'm a very verbal processor. Like I talk things out. So whether I have trusted friends that I can talk things out with that are, that are open to like reflecting back what they see. Sometimes you have those friends that you can say something and they'll go, yeah, I know. Like I've seen that. That makes sense. Like I've, I see that in you. Um, or someone that can ask you the questions for you to be able to see it yourself. Like even you just reminding me of that story, I totally forgot. But um, but yeah, I, that that's some that's something that I need to work on. That shows me where I need to work on things next is to, you know, be so have such strong conviction in what I do that if if there isn't the right person in front of me for it, then saying if it's not a heck yes, it's a no, right? Well, that's yeah. It's I mean it's a question. Um, I know like Russell has talked about it and it would, if I had one question for Russell, it would be around like the entrepreneurial scars. Cause I think we, we all, we all equate our self-worth at some level to the results of the people that are under us, right? Like the reason that we're purpose-centered entrepreneurs is they come into our world and we want to change their life. And that lady who asked for a refund, like I, I remember the story kind of, but she, it, it was past the refund period. You logged in and you saw that she had only watched one video out of the entire thing. And you're like, well, you didn't do it. What, what should I do? And she was like bitter and upset and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how do you, how, like, how do, 
how do you have, you said thicker skin, which I don't even know if that's the right one. Like, how do you, I mean, it is, it's one way of phrasing it. I just, I don't want to have thick skin. I don't right. want to, I don't think, any, I don't think you really do. You just don't want to be hurt by somebody that doesn't get you. Yeah. Right? Cause your sensitivity could also be your superpower. That, that is what attracts the right people to me, I believe. But yeah, it just, it does. Well, it it's does what hurt. makes, I mean, it's what makes you different from like maybe a Ty Lopez or a Grant Cardone, right? Mm-hmm. Not that they're, they just, obviously they're more sales centered and like. Yeah. And they attract a different, different audience. Yeah. Um, but I think that's every entrepreneur that I have spoken to, whether they are making a thousand dollars a month or a million dollars a month has ups and downs and has that moment. I mean, even Sharfin, like I know he's had some, some moments this year that have been kind of upsetting for him, but like mm-hmm. how they handle it is how you handle it and keeping going is really what it's all about. I mean, I think at the end of the day, even those things like push us forward a little bit more. Yeah. Marley, you have been absolutely awesome to have on. We covered so much ground. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great conversations. And And I got to read poetry. Wow. You did get to read poetry. So Marley, if people wanted to find you, Tell us where they can go to join your challenge. Where can they go to learn more about you? Where should people find you? Yeah, I would love for people to join the challenge. It's infiniteimpactchallenge.com. If you want to learn how to build your own challenge, that's infinitecashflowkit.com. Or join me on YouTube or Instagram. Just look up Marley Jex. Awesome. Marley, thank you so much once again. Um, Until next time, everybody, take action, change lives, and make money and we will see you soon. Thanks for tuning into today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out, and they're free at storiesthatscale.com. Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon.